episode of no challenges oh. remaining kaboom <laughs> my name is ben rothenberg and joining me kabooming to my left is courtney Nguyen. hi courtney hello ben things happen today i'm exhausted what time is it right now it is um coming on 12 30 a.m uh-huh after day three of yes. the 127th championships wimbledon look at you knowing numbers i know i know i only know because when the first time i came to wimbledon was the 125th championship so okay. i just count off of there but yeah, things are crazy. It was an unprecedented day, I think, on every level, just to kind of even just watch the tennis or to cover the tennis. So we figured we'd convene after a plateful of Indian food to kind of yeah talk. Yeah, we do have some things to say. I mean, everything that we said in Wimbledon preview episode, which aired over the weekend, got released over the weekend, it's now pretty much relevant because so much has happened over the first three days, uh, starting on Monday when Rafael Nadal lost, and then really nothing Tuesday. And then so much happened <laughs> on Wednesday. Just so much. This I was calling it Black Wednesday on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, really, this is one of the most like shocking days in, in tennis history, I have to think. I can't remember anything anything like this. No. I mean, I think that the only other days that kind of come to mind are ones where weather played a weird, you know, thing in terms of, like, matches being... Like, that one day at the U.S. Open a few years ago where... Matches were getting moved, and Andy Roddick took all the entire crowd and David Ferrer out to court, rando, rando, right. and you know, like things like that. But the they, results said they weren't that weird. No, I'm not saying, yeah, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Is that like that's the only thing that comes close is like, you know, match it or like a, a day where an amazing match took place, like the 2008 Wimbledon final or something. Like, but in terms of just sheer volume of idiocy, yeah, because you'll get, you'll get days where a lot of big favorites go out at once, but they usually happen, like at Wimbledon, it usually happens on the second Monday. And it usually doesn't involve Roger Federer. Doesn't usually involve Roger <laughs> Federer, and it usually doesn't happen on the first week where you really get a much larger sheer volume matches. Yeah. That's the thing. This was only the second round, and so many people went out, and so many matches got played, and so many people are still in this tournament, and we were like, who? Yeah, and I think who that, are you people? I mean, my reaction to today... And what made it like such a weird like day to cover was just that every the minute that something happened that you thought was a big deal and you started to kind of like focus on it is also the same time that like the next thing happened yeah. and it was bigger. And every story that kind of came out, I mean, let's remember this day started with John Isner landing on his knee and having to retire. Then yeah. Steve Darcis pulled out and then Azarenka. Yeah. And then like, what was the next thing? The next thing that would have happened would have been Songa getting injured. and pull- No, sorry. The next thing that happened after Azarenka, which was not as big a deal, was Marin Cilic pulling out, mm-hmm. which was a top, top kind of seed pulling out. And also out. kind of signaling, and also signaling today's weird. Today's, today's weird. This all happened like in the first couple yeah. hours. So then Marin Cilic pulls out and then Songa retires with injury against Golbis and Golbis gets through. Skolbis beat Sanga and nobody cared. And that's how big today was. Yeah, the number, the, the one guy that everybody thought would challenge the big four for the title, Joe Wilfred Sanga. Goes out. Goes out and Barely it's a, a peep. Yeah, barely a peep. And then, as I'm waiting for Golbis to show up and press, Sharapova loses to Michelle Larcher de Brito. Which, and before that, Caroline Wozniacki lost. Before that, lost. Caroline Wozniacki lost two and two to Tchaikovska. But then, really, it didn't seem like that was anything. Even Sharapova, to some extent, was, a, was still a big result. When Roger Federer goes down and loses in the second round of a Grand Slam tournament, first time not making a quarter since 2004. 
At a grand slam. To a player ranked outside the top 100, ranked number 116, and a favorite among tennis fans. I don't know if I would use the word favorite. <laughs> I think I would actually not use that word. <laughs> I think Sergei Stokowski's a lot of things. Tennis fan favorite is probably a bit generous. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that was just the... That was a whole lot. That was that a was, whole lot happened today. That was, the cherry was on top, that was the cherry on top of a shit Sunday. Absolutely. It just was, I mean, and just to kind of give some sort of context, I mean, I think that some of the general kind of media reaction to the events of today have very little to do with like, oh, that's my favorite player, unless you're Chris Everett. Um, <laughs> or, you know, like whatever. And it has everything to do with the fact that you know, kind of the buzz within, like, the press room I know here and some of the discussion kind of that, uh, you know, with ESPN and tennis, not necessarily Tennis Channel, but BBC, anybody who has the rights to this event, all these stars have gone out. Yeah. Like, this is bad. Like, ESPN's ratings are going to tank. Like, there were seven number and traffic with respect to the things that we're here to write about are not going to be as high as they might have been had some of these like stars stayed in. So in terms of all that, I think that's why everybody's kind of a bit gutted from like just a coverage perspective. Sure, because with the exception, and we'll get to, we'll kind of detail all these things. It's sort of a flyover to start with. With the exception of Dustin Brown, I think everybody who won today is not necessarily an exciting person for the game. I don't know if there's really any breakout stars that came out of today. Really? Probably I mean, not, not necessarily breakout, but I mean, Sloan winning, I think, is is, is well, That wasn't a big story today. She survived. Well, you said survived. You didn't say story. I'm saying if okay. the people who won today. I mean, yeah, there are people who are relevant to the tournament who won today. There isn't no one left. No, Andy, Andy, Murray. Andy Murray survived. <laughs> Imagine if Andy Murray had gone out today, everything would have been just shut it down. It's yeah. a shut it down situation. Andy Murray <clears> is now left on the bottom half, and the second highest bottom half seed is number 15, Nicholas Almagro, after two rounds. Andy, if you do not make the final of this tournament... Really, you should be deported. <laughs> fair. Really, really fair. So there we go. Let's talk about it a little bit more granularly. Start with what happened on Monday with Rafael Nadal going out in straight sets to Steve Darcy. Seven six seven six six something. Courtney, what did you make of that match as it was unfolding? And now looking back on it two days out, what do you make of Nadal? He was 43-2 and two on the year and just won the French Open and made nine finals, crashing out to a guy ranked 135 who played good. Not That was not a transcendent Russell performance from Darcy, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I am not surprised. I mean, I, oh, sorry, let me take that back. I am surprised, but I am not shocked Mm -hmm. that Rafa uh, lost in the first round to whoever it was. I think that the biggest thing that I had been harping on, much to the critique of many people, I think, over the course of the last few months during Nadal's kind of clay swing and and going into the French Open, I think I even said that, you know, I have my doubts about Rafa simply because he's played so much. Coming off of a seven-month break, let's remember when he came back, he had pain in his knees. Yep. He didn't come back 100% like he said that he always would. He came back when, and he's had pain in his knees in South America. And he has had pain throughout the clay, the clay swing and, and his comeback. So it just really felt like he couldn't sustain it. There was, it just, I just really doubted it. I, I, and I had questions about it. And he continued to prove me wrong by doing what he did over the clay yeah. season. 
But I think that, you know, skipping Halle and, and going home and chilling out and then coming in and I think you and I both observed during his pre-tournament press that it, there was it was there was kind of a cloud over Rafa. Like he wasn't exactly his like typical jovial self. Oh, he he hasn't looked been stressed. All year in a lot yeah, of ways. I mean, he had, yeah, he's been he's a little bit stressed. crankier than usual in press all year. I think it's fair to say. I don't think he feels like he's at a hundred percent whatsoever. I don't. But at the same time, his results have been incredible, and I feel like he feels like a little bit annoyed to try to reconcile those two to the press and try to communicate how he's actually feeling because he does think if he talks about his knees and the, oh, I'm suffering. Suffering is the word of the year for Nadal. He talks about suffering constantly. And he does that and then goes out and goes 43-2 and and makes nine finals. It's easy for someone to say, Rafa, you're fine. This match, though, he really, it just really seemed like he was out of gas, whatever Mm -hmm. it was. The matches, and we talked about this back in February. We talked about his schedule. Mm -hmm. He scheduled so hard the first half of this year. Playing Vina Del Mar, playing Sao Paulo, playing Acapulco, playing Barcelona, all very optional tournaments. Throwing Indian Wells in there, mm-hmm. a hardcore tournament that he shockingly won. Yeah, playing six matches there. It caught up with him. Yeah. And I think that, I don't think he'd trade that, though. I mean, I think that, you know, he'd take the year he had so far, for sure. Winning the French, all those different things. He, you know, placed his ships elsewhere, and it just really showed. Because he that was one of the flattest matches I've ever seen from him. And he looked, even once he got into the third set, he looked, has oh. checked out. He looked so over it. Ever seen it all? Look. Yeah, no, it's true. And it was uh, it was really interesting because, like I said, Darcy, I did not think played exceptional tennis. We did not play extraordinary tennis. Is really more of the word. It was nothing like Russell, where you felt like Russell really hit him off the court, and Nadal was there, really fighting and vamosing all through that match and playing pretty good tennis. He was just nowhere to be found, and he was doing dumb tactical things against uh, Darcy, like running around the fore- backhand constantly to his forehand. He had no time for that. Yeah, so that was quite something and once that got once Nadal got knocked out first round it was something like oh okay now the tournament's normal now the draw's even everything is okay not okay but even we don't have this controversy with the Rafa fed quarterfinal looming and it seemed like things might sort of settle down and for two days that was mostly correct yeah I mean that's precisely right I think that Tuesday was a bit you know the story of the day on Tuesday was Laura Robson's win over Maria Kirilenko which is Basically all you need to know about Tuesday in terms yeah. of, you know, what the headline grabbers were, uh, you know, Serena and Novak cruised and really there weren't any, any major storylines other than, other no. than that win. And then today. And then today happened. So let's just go through what we talked about a little bit before and just see, I mean, what was the most shocking thing? Darcy, first of all, pulled out, which is just sort of sad that, you know, he does this. And not that he would have had a great run on this tournament. I don't think he would have. I think he easily could have lost to Lukas Kubo. On grass, not a, not a gimme opponent. Then Azarenka pulls out. Let's talk about Azarenka for a bit. We haven't really that much. I mean, she's been a very consistent figure when she's played. Someone pointed out on Twitter today that she, as of today, <laughs> is still undefeated this year on hardcore and grass. <laughs> nice. So, yeah. So yeah, she has well, all these asterisks. And it's been an interesting year for her because after, it's been an ironic year, arguably, because after the, the injury controversy against Sloan, she suddenly gets hit with all these real injuries mm-hmm. that knock her out of big tournaments for the first time in her career, really. Minus, um, I guess, the concussion and the, at the U.S. Open and the sort of illness in Australia when she pulled out against Serena. Other than that, she's had a lot of sort of lesser injury scares along the way at smaller events. This time, it's hitting her hard and acute, and it's been something something to see. It's not what we're used to seeing for Azarenka. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, she she's played, I think I saw this stat in the WTA notes that she, of the top 10 players, has played the least yeah. this year, which is about right. It has um, to be right. 
you know, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a definitely a disappointing result. I think that a lot of people, even this morning, I talked to a number of people in the press room and everybody was already kind of looking forward to the Sharapova Azarenka semifinal, that it would be just an interesting match. It'd be a tough it's one the top to call. rivalry in the game right top now. Top rivalry. It'd be great. It'd be, it'd be good for just kind of, you know, the interest in the women's game to, mm-hmm. to have a competitive rivalry among the top three. So that's, you know, that was, that was something that everybody was looking forward to. I mean, the Azarenka thing, the withdrawal was just so weird because obviously we, you saw it because the, the match went off the board yeah um and basically for us in the press room there was no announcement no. i just i cannot there are very wimbledon, very few announcements at wimbledon. there are it's no really announcements hard. of anything at wimbledon to get information like it's just really difficult and so in order to see it either you saw it on twitter because somebody tweeted it or yeah there's a scoreboard and you'd have to look up at the right time to see that there was a walkover given to uh to panetta but the walkover only flashed for like 10 seconds exactly so it's it's a very frustrating thing and then the, secondarily one of the, the the themes of my personally for me my day my day three at wimbledon was just how just messed up a lot of the 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 kind of press conferences were and the kind of the media access and things like that so i was just very very frustrated that azarenka was put into the secondary inter- interview room which if you're not put in the main interview interview room there's no announcement in the press conference which is weird you have to just seat like there's never an announcement you literally have to just keep checking a tv that lists you know where different players are going and at what time and so i got there like a little bit late and the room was tiny and it was stuffed and then all of a sudden even though it was packed to the gills to where you couldn't open the door tv people came in like with a camera and a huge boom mic Azarenka doesn't get a lot of attendance at press conferences normally. That is a fact. It is? But she's still the number two seed pulling out of a tournament with injury in the second round and was by far the big story of the day to that point. To that point. No reason not to put her in the big room. But no, meanwhile, Steve Darcy is like just having a ball talking about whatever in in the main press room. It It was just very, very frustrating. But So that was all just, yeah, just started my day. I was in a horrible mood. I was pissed off. These things happen. And then so Azarenka pulls out. I don't get the sense from, we don't know much about her injury yet, but I would be surprised if it affected her for the U.S. Open. Who knows at this point? But she has not played a lot yet. And so that really robs the story, the, the tournament of one of these big contenders, a player who does play Serena, and it's interesting because she's one of the very few. So she's out, and then on the mat, let's took a little detour on the match that replaced her on center court was the match between Anna Vanovic and Jeannie Bouchard, which is one of those matches that, you know, the center court, whoever made the decisions would have loved for that match on center court initially because we all know how they transparently use looks as a criteria for match placement there. So that one gets put on. Jeannie Bouchard wins easily. I didn't see any of that match, I'll be honest. Do you see any of that one? What, what happened? Anna played like crap. Jeannie played fine. You know, I mean, I think with Ivanovic, there's a bunch of things to really just always take into consideration. But A, she's not playing well. We all know that. Yeah. B, like every time on grass, like people, I've, I've seen people, random people, not a lot of people, but random people like pump up her chances. Like, oh, she can get through because this one time she made whatever, the, the, the semis, right? Seven, yeah. And that was before she knew any better. That was, a, <laughs> you know, she had like kind of a really relatively softish draw. She survived like Nicole Vitasova and basically put Nicole Vitasova into retirement in that tournament. Yeah. She's not good on grass. The ball bounces way too low. She cannot hit the low ball. She That's not her strike zone. And anybody who thinks that she can play on this stuff is deluded, including her. So like a shock win, I would, I would say that Robson's win over Kirilenko was more surprising okay just because of Kirilenko's recent form and 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 just her ability to be consistent and the fact that she has proven recently that she can play on on grass whereas Anna hasn't been able to prove it in 
a darn long time. Sure. So, but it was still a great result for Jeannie. And, you know, in general, I think one of the, the storylines out of the first three days is, is how well the young kids have done. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of young names still in this tournament. Uh, Sloan, Jeannie, Laura, Monica Puig is still in it. Michelle Larcher de Brito is still in it. Yeah, so the young ones are coming, and it's been a big tournament for that. Yeah, so what do you what do you make of this of these big kids coming out? We talked about this a little bit when we were in Charleston. A lot of the young guns had a big tournament that week too. Now they're doing it again on a much bigger stage at Wimbledon. Is this a changing of the guard at all? I think it's 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 the beginning of it. I think that you can definitely see that with the American. I mean, the American women, you know, and, and just uh, you know, we forget that Madison got yeah, the first win still as well. In, right. She's still in. Um, so, you know, it's really good to see they're starting to get wins, and it's really an issue of belief. I mean, we heard that uh, with Federer today in his press conference when people were asking him about kind of these these upsets that are happening a little bit more frequently of the top four, not necessarily the top four, but of Rafa and, and Roger, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he really chalked it up to just a, a belief issue. And so, you know, and I think that the girl, the, the younger girls will say that as well, that, that they see, you know, yeah, we talked about this in Charleston, they see their peers pulling off these big wins, right? Like you had like a bunch of players point to Laura's win over Kleisters at the US Open. Yeah. As and being, Lina. And Lina, too. right? Like, like, oh, wait. I beat Laura. I beat Laura. Yeah. So, I, you know, they, you know, kind of tennis math, right? So they're starting to believe it and they're starting to play that way. And I think it's a good thing. And I think that in a lot of ways, at least as of right now, personality-wise, they're all great because they're fun. I mean, they're unguarded for the most part. I mean, I think that Laura Robson's still a bit guarded. I think Sloan, Sloan obviously guarded right is, is guarded. Cheney isn't guarded, but she kind of sometimes is still learning how to deal with media, I think, uh-huh. in a more open way. But uh, but it's refreshing, and it's good, and it gives you a whole new slate of new names because if you can imagine what happens, what would have the last few months looked like if you took those kids off the table it'd be kind of a bit on the dull side. Like, like Caroline's kind of shut down. Yeah. Vika's shut down. Kavitova's a non-issue because she's so she's inconsistent. So Aga's yeah. just Aga. So to have kind of some young blood in there is nice. Definitely helps. Let's talk about Caroline because she was in the timeline of this a little bit. She lost to Nina Chetkovska. She came into press very down, understandably. She has lost before the second week at five of the last six slams. The other one, she lost fourth round to Kuznetsova in Australia this year. Really, her results have gotten to be mediocre at best, especially the big tournaments. Really isn't the same player since she lost the number one ranking at all. Has Does she have a chance to turn it around anytime soon, or is she irreparably broken until she makes a major sort of coaching shift or something? The problem right now is that I think that because of this new kind of generation of young kids coming up... Yeah. I think that there's an argument to be made that, that the depth of women's tennis has gotten better. Definitely. You know, especially toward in the top 50, if you want, you know, yeah. if you want to make a cutoff right there. So, like, I think that a lot of that does affect kind of my opinion as to whether Caroline kind of turn it around. Because I don't think that, that she's going to be able to just roll over people in a, in a way and, and, have, and the way that she could a couple of years ago. But, you know, even just going to the racket change shows... You know, some thought process. Thinking, definitely yeah, thinking you know. out there. But she, she needs a coach. She does need a coach, she for can't, sure. She can't have Peter. Sorry, he just can't. It's so, done. So. And, like, credit to him. He's he's put her where she is, and he built a number one player himself. Total Massive hats off. Yeah. But, okay, she's been a number one player. Do you want the slam or not? Yeah, and not only do you want the slam, do you want to stay in the top yeah. five? She's slipping. Top ten. Everyone else is catching up, and she's not improving. Top ten. Yeah, exactly. So she's going to be out of there. Pretty soon, something that she sort of has been coming for a while, but really this loss, because it was such a non-surprise. 
we're going down two and two to Tchaikovsky. I was like, yeah, I kind of thought Tchaikovsky would win that match. Maybe not two and two. But, yeah, the fact that it wasn't surprising. I know that she did roll her ankle in it during it, and she blamed a fair amount of her lack of confidence on that. But I don't see that match being but, much yeah, different without that. It says, it says a lot that I think most people who know the women's game that I talked to today kind of said the exact same thing. Regardless yeah. of whether she rolled her ankle or not, this was going to be a tough match. If you know who Tchaikovsky is, you knew she was exactly. going to Exactly. And yeah. the fact that she did roll her ankle, I think, almost benefits her a little bit in terms of a PR, from a PR perspective. Sure. Because people will be like, oh, but she was injured. Well, yeah, but Tchaikovsky, I've watched that whole match. Tchaikovsky played well. And even at, you know, before Caroline rolled her ankle, she was down, like, she was already down a break in the first set, I believe. So, yeah. tough times for her, and, and her press conferences are not fun to be in. For no. for someone who earned that sunshine nickname, it, it's not. She did earn it. On. She used to be a fun person to be around in press. And obviously, as her results turn south, it's not entirely surprising that her demeanor did the same. But hopefully she can uh, turn it around. The next big women's result was the one that followed Caroline on court to... Maria Sharapova going down to Larsha Debrito, which we saw. We said we saw Tchaikovsky coming. Nobody saw Sharapova losing to Larsha Debrito coming whatsoever. People saw that match and be like, "Oh, it's going to be loud," and that was about it. I don't think anybody really thought that Larsha Debrito had anything to disrupt Sharapova, make it a tough match, much less a loss. What happened out there, Courtney? Do you have any idea? She got outplayed. Yeah, she purely got outplayed. It was an incredible. I mean, it was a tremendous performance from Larsha Debrito, especially under pressure in the second set. As Pova kind of wasn't playing well, but she was digging in. I yeah. mean, once again, the whole kind of street fighter Sharapova kind of came up, and it was like you know, like I tweeted, like from my cold dead perma fist, like you are going to take this match from me, and I will not let it go. And Debrito's credit, she did. She stood tall, and and she closed it out. And and to Sharapova's credit, in the post match press, like she was very very complimentary of how well her opponent played. This is someone who, in her prior press conference, she referred to as the other girl. Yeah. Because uh, DeBrito had played Udan, and so somebody asked her about playing either of those two, and she was like, oh yeah, Melanie, you know, I haven't played her since, like, she beat me, so I'd love to play her again, da-da-da. And the other girl... Like, you know, yeah. you know, didn't ever really say her name. So, but she was very complimentary of her in her post-match press. But surprising stuff. And just that she came out so flat because she was so sharp against Modenovic. So, so flat. And I think she really had a letdown match in a lot of ways. Because Modenovic was a very tough first round. Debrito did not look like it would be a tough second round. And she just came out flat. Same kind of thing. It reminded me a lot of, of Sharapova's loss a couple years ago in Australia to Pekovic. Where... She just went down in straights and just sort of missing a lot of balls that you don't expect her to miss because she does play with low margins a lot of times, but she really is pretty consistent for someone who plays the way she does. And so for her to be hitting a lot of returns into the net, a lot of just neutral balls into the net, really her timing wasn't there. And it was very surprising to see her go down with that kind of scoreline to a qualifier ranked outside the top 100. Yeah. Talk about Debrito a little bit. I don't think we've ever talked about it on the show. Uh, Michelle Archer Debrito used to be a thing. Back when she was 16, she was ranked number 75 in the world. And she was a next big thing, a teen sensation, getting all sorts of criticism for her grunt and stuff and generally throwing tantrums all over the place during matches. And then she gone away. She's a little bit, she's been one to watch in qualifying lately because she's prone to meltdowns. And so I think people enjoy watching those. They're entertaining. She tends to blow a lot of big leads in qualifying and burst into tears and start sobbing between points. These are things that she does. The things that she doesn't do is beat Maria Sharapova at a Grand Slam. What do we make of her sort of dip and return, apparently? And what will it be like having Debrito around the game? Well, I mean, I think one match does not a uh, 
resurgence make? I mean, it, she played a great match. Did well to qualify here, obviously. So yeah. she, she played well in qualies, by the way. She had some really lopsided scorelines there. Put it this way. She got through qualies. She played, she needed three sets and won 6-4 in the third to beat Melanie. Uh-huh. Okay, it's not like she rolled over. And Melanie hasn't been playing well in grass at all this season. And then she just played just probably her best match in years to knock out Sharapova. And, and credit to her for it. Do I think that, Mich- that I'm going to have to be talking about Michelle Larch-Debrito a bunch uh, in the next few months? She, she's she got a... few years, of, how about? Do you think she's going to hang around? Who knows? Yeah. I, I, I just don't think that, like, just because, I mean, just because you get this win that it's like, ooh, like, you're a thing now. I don't think that happens. You know, I think that it can spur her on, but she, she still has to prove that she can put together results, not like this, but just, you know close to this you know like that she can beat top 40 players yeah you know uh, consistently because i mean when was i mean aside from i mean take sharapova out of it but i I, and i'm asking this as a rhetorical question when's the last time she beat like a top 50 player no i don't know right i mean so like one results one results sharapova fell down three times he's out on court number two like i don't know on, on a weird mojo day Definitely. I'm, I'm going to put an asterisk next to this one. Definitely put a wait and see. The other former number one on the women's side that went out really weirdly was Lenny Yankovic, which I did not see coming at all. She lost five and two to Vesna Dalanch, and that was strange. So let's take a look at the women's draw. So let's take a look at what is left standing in this bottom half of the draw right now. Um, let's start in the Azarenka quarter, where the high seed remaining is Petra Kvitova. She's the highest seed left on the bottom half totally. At number eight, because she got a walkover today against Shvedova, who I think is someone who no one would have been surprised her to lose to today. Shvedova was seen as a tough draw. She next gets Makarova. I don't think any, that's not an easy match for Kvitova either. And then the other names left in this quarter Suarez, Navarro on grass, Bouchard, Delanche, Flipkins, Cornet, Panetta. So one of those people will be in a Grand Slam semifinal. Let's just let's just let that sink in. Do you have any one pick out of that group? Who do you think makes it out of it? Of those of those eight players, <sighs> maybe, maybe pick a quarter and then who makes the semi. Petra Kvitova needed three sets to beat Coco Vandeweghe in the first round. That wasn't impressive. So I'm not exactly feeling too good about her chances. No. Totally. I'm going Suarez Navarro. You've been on the Carla Train I'm tournament. So I dr- I just I I am the Carla Train. Fair. I, see, I picture Carla wearing a conductor's hat, and for some reason it really cracks me up. I'm going to pick Makarova to beat Kvitova. I'm going to pick her to play Flipkins in a quarterfinal. It will, I guess, be televised. And, <laughs> and Makarova, I pick, uh, pick Makarova to make the semis. Why not? Oh, God. I know. Well, I just, this is what no, we're doing I just feel here. really bad for people who have the television rights to the Wimbledon this year. <laughs> the other, the other quarter on the bottom features the, the talents of Monica Puig, Ava Bernarova, the qualifier, who everyone's been buzzing about. No, not really. Uh, Sloane <laughs> Stevens versus Petra Chetkovska, which is actually a tough third round That's in this draw. One, yeah. um, Mary Bartoli versus Camilla Giorgi. And then the this is actually a Grand Slam third round about to happen between Karen Knapp, Knapp and Michelle Larcher de Brito. This is something, Courtney. Who makes it out of this of this quarter? Who are your quarterfinalists and who is your semifinalist? And then we can pick a finalist out of this section. My quarterfinalist has to be Sloan. Okay. Okay. Out of that group, I mean, I I am 
really going to look forward to the Camilla Giorgi, Michelle Larcher to Brito fourth round. That that should be fun times. Uh-huh. Um, but I think Sloan does get out of this. I mean, although I will say, I mean, obviously Chekhovska is a tough draw. I also think a Stevens Puig match would be very interesting because that just brings up, you know, junior drama and, yep. you know, the, ment- the mental aspect of all that. And- Definitely. And you saw how badly Stevens handled, in a lot of ways, playing another young player in Yomanovsky at the Australian Open. Really kind of screwed her up. Yeah. So I think her against Puig, she would definitely be very shaky in that match. I think Monica could get past her. However, I'm picking Petra Tchaikovsky to beat Sloan and to make the final. Okay. I think Tchaikovsky is actually going to make the final in this draw, which says a whole lot about, A, how punch-struck I am this stage of this really weird day, and secondly, this draw. Can we just point out, okay, rewind this eight hours. Uh-huh. Who was your pick to, to get out of the bottom half? Elena Yankovic. Yes. Once things started falling <laughs> apart, I said JJ would be like, okay, JJ's got to launch. He's going to get through that. JJ will be the one to survive this carnage and cockroach this whole thing. Nope. JJ immediately lost right away. So I'm picking someone who is, who's a big underdog in her next match in Tchaikovska. So I do think that it's not a percentage pick. I know people are going to hear this in 48 hours and think I'm obviously not very smart, but that's okay. 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 It's, it's uh, given what we've seen today. Like, remember last year, there was the post Russell world? Yeah. This is just the post-Black Wednesday world. Anything yeah. is possible. Anything. It's like we I suddenly... Like... We suddenly returned to post Russell world. Like, on the... I think, was Russell on day three or day four last year? Either way. Second round of Wimbledon, last couple of years. It's been weird. Yep. Weird things have happened. Yep. Top half of the draw staying relatively the same as it was before. Serena, still there. Serena, 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 Serena. Seven times. That's basically, that's basically our analysis. I mean, we were sitting in press uh, waiting for Sharapova to come in, and, and there were jokes about, I mean, I mean, I definitely made the jokes that, you know, it shouldn't be a press conference. It should just be Sharapova handing over the, the Venus Rosewater Trophy to Serena. On behalf of myself and Patrick Moore <laughs> I would like to present you the Venus Rosewater <laughs> dish. Good job, Serena. I'm so proud. I'm so proud. <laughs> um, <laughs> Let's talk about the, the shift of the men's things that happened today. We talked about the women. Joe Wilfried Songa went out to Ernest Golbis. Golbis is now still in this tournament. He's an exciting person to still have in. He's unfortunately for people, most people, not in the Federer Nadal quarter, which is totally vacant. He's in the Murray section. But that was good to see him get through. Songa had a really, really stupid shot selection in the second set late where Golbis was on the ground and Sanga hit it softly right back to him as I want to give him a chance to make a fun little rally. And Ernie hit a winner past him and then won the match. One was up two sets to one before Sanga retired. So that was not ideal. And that was a little bit of malfeasance from uh, from Sanga, I think it's fair to say. Fed time. <laughs> Roger Federer lost in four sets today to Sergei Stokowski. Very small margins in the match. A couple tie breaks he lost and then 7-5. Courtney, what do, what do you make of the streak ending for Roger? Is this an end of an era? As someone suggested in press... And let's start, we'll just start with Roger. We'll get to Stakowski later. Yeah, I mean, I I think I had said, because we got a, a few questions about it, I guess at the French or after the French, uh-huh. uh, oh, is this the end of Roger? And I think I said, you know, I'm I'm going to wait until Wimbledon yeah. to kind of talk about it because I think that this is his slam. This yeah. is his house. And, you know, it, it, it's up to him to, to kind of like come and prove it. And I didn't think that he needed to win Wimbledon to prove that like everything was okay, but... He probably needed to make the corner <laughs> to kind of prove it. I, I think he needed to be like a top eight guy. Yeah. And to me, one of the interesting kind of thoughts that I had as I was thinking about just the whole Roger thing is that, 
you know, all the stats that are involved with this loss, right? Like worst, first loss before uh, the quarterfinals since uh, French Open 2004. First loss to a guy ranked outside of the top, like whatever, 115 since he lost to Mario Ancic in the first round of Wimbledon 2002. And so when I saw that stat, specifically the Ancic stat, I kind of was like, huh, okay. So this is like, and that's like, I mean, that's like not even like just at slams. That's like his worst loss. Yeah. Would have been Ancic 2002, which is before... He started winning slams. He started winning slams. So this is the 10th anniversary of Roger's first slam win, which was here at Wimbledon. Yeah. And so there was kind of, and to the extent that, you know, writers like to be storytellers and we uh-huh. like to be able to weave things we together. We do like things that fit together and yeah. form circles. There, There is kind of this idea of like, well, he's just suffered the worst loss. The only loss that was as bad as this is the one that he suffered before he ever won a slam. Yeah. When he was just not the Roger Federer, the guy, as Sergei Stokowski said, who's on the cover of the Wimbledon history book. But just I'm rolling he, my eyes at Sergei Stokowski know, really for those is. of you who aren't here. And, but uh, but he was just Roger Federer. Yeah. And so there is kind of this arc that you can see developing. And, and I'm not willing to say that, like, Roger's done. Like, I'm not willing to say that. I think I do think that to the extent that he wins another slam, it will be Wimbledon. And it will not be any other slam. Maybe the Aussie, because it's at the front, the front end of the season. But in six months or a year's time, if he still hasn't won a slam, uh-huh. I think we'll look back on this day, Black Wednesday, as being the day that, like... It's definitely felt like the end of an era for me because this just doesn't happen. I mean, Federer's been such a good escape artist. And for him to go down to somebody like Sergei Stokowski, who is an interesting person to assess as a player because he has won four titles on the ATV Tour, but he's also somebody who thought so little of his chances in the first round of the French Open two weeks, like three weeks ago, against Songa that he decided to take out his camera phone and thought it'd be funnier to, you know, pull this little stunt than to actually go out and try to win a tennis match. Really, it was very clownish behavior from the French Open. It was, you know, look at me, I'm so cute, I'm so entertaining, blah, blah, blah. And for him to, for Federer to lose to a guy like that, it's not, not great. I don't think, I definitely think this is the end of an era so far as Federer being a perennial lock to deep in tournaments. I think it's been more like a late career Sampras thing, where it's like, oh, he's a perennial dark horse now. Like a very, very legit, very well, a dark horse with an unbelievable pedigree. But someone who, if he wins a tournament or gets deep even, it's a little bit of a surprise. Because if you look at the draw, so many of the guys who were in the 5 through 8 range would have given a, been given a really good chance against him. Nadal was in that range, Songo was in that range, Burdich was in that range, and him losing to any of them would not have been a surprise. So I think, I don't think that Wimbledon is his only chance. I think he has just as good a chance in New York. And it's always been a pretty good surface for him, and he's come so close in so many of those semifinals against Djokovic that I don't think that that is an impossible slam for him to win the U.S. Open. But this was definitely a big setback, and I definitely think he's going to be out of the top four now for the first time uh, since he got in there, I guess. This is going to be quite a uh, stumble for him. And, yeah, I think that his days having his own quarter at slams and stuff are gone because he has a bunch of points to defend coming up, too. He's got winning Cincinnati... He made silver medal, which he can't defend. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a bit of a bit of a slipper fetter and a sort of new reality that sort of ushered that in quite rudely through Stokowski. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the most telling thing to me was kind of seeing Roger in press, and from what I understand, it was streamed on on ESPN as well. So most people got to see it as well. Yeah, and I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. But you should, I, I encourage people to watch it because and and to really listen to what he says. 
as opposed to just read the transcript because I think the inflection and the way that he said certain things really resonated with me. Just specifically, just really, there's a mortality about him and his acknowledgement of his mortality that was a bit surprising to me. So when he's, and I don't mean mortality like in like the literal sense, but in his kind of legendary, the tennis, <laughs> legendary tennis sense, but like that he kind of acknowledged that, that he's basically choking on, not choking, but not playing well on the big points that that has been happening throughout the year and that he, he he's like, I don't feel nervous. I don't feel anything, but I'm not executing on the big points. And the way that he said it and kind of the look on his face at the time was very much like he doesn't know what's going on. He's trying to rationalize it. He's trying to like shrug it off and be like, no big deal. But he is beginning to understand that he is not able to be the escape artist uh, that he once was, that, that that when things get tight, sometimes he doesn't execute. And that's kind of weird. And when you start to feel that way, and not just feel, but it, almost accept it to know that this is what's happening, yeah. then the next time it happens, the pressure, like, you know, like, yeah. you're like, oh, it's a tight moment. Oh, God, what if I, like... It's sort of a head case. Yeah, this exactly. happens to players late in careers a lot of times, especially the one who I always sort of point to is Leighton Hewitt. Leighton Hewitt, who went out today to Dustin Brown, but before that had a great win over Vavrenka. Leighton Hewitt right now is one of the worst closers in the sport. For somebody who has all this winning experience, all these big titles, all this time as a really reliable guy, he's one of the worst people to close out matches now. He really blows a lot of sort of like big points late, doesn't convert on stuff, and just because you have the age, it's like I talked about with, you know, the 13-year-old Chinese gymnast. At some point, you're too young to have nerves, and when you are in your 30s, whatever, you really understand what's at stake, and you really do get nervous. And you see it a lot with, with Hewitt, and I think you started to see it today with Federer, because really, that's not a match that should be losing under any circumstances. Sekovsky played fine. He served in volley, which everyone was like, oh, like, oh serve in volley, serve in volley. But if you'll remember, in Hala, Roger Federer double-bageled Misha Zverev, who was also a guy ranked outside the top 100 who was serving volleying. Yeah. So this should not exactly have happened. Sekovsky was not playing transcendent tennis. It was just Federer not being there on the big points. And a lot of, and he's honestly made a career out of that. It's really unbelievable when you think about it. He's never had one of these bad days early in slams in the last, you know, nine years, really. The end of this is more about, wow, how remarkable it was for me anyway, that he didn't have this before. Oh, for sure. Than about this being some, you know, cataclysmic event. But at the same time, going down to Sikorsky is not something that Federer should be doing on grass. No, I mean, it- you're talking about grass, you're talking about Roger, and you're talking about this wasn't a blowout. This wasn't what Sanga did to him at the French no. Open. This, th- At the end of the day, the point total here was, I believe, 162 to 161, or 161 to 160. It's, it's one point two. more for Stokowski. But it was yeah. one for Stokowski. Three tiebreak sets were played. I mean, these were small, small margins. Mm-hmm. And Roger came out on the opposite side. That's not what you think. If you're going to beat Roger, you beat him. Yeah, you know, you, you just shellac him, but you don't beat him on the close ones unless you're Rafa or no. unless you're Novak. You know, unless you're one of the the elites. But you know, it was it was really surprising. I mean, no one saw it coming. I mean, even while I mean, I was writing up my reaction to Maria and as soon as Federer ignoring what was going on, on on center. As soon as Federer broke back in the fourth, I was like, okay, I actually like, tweeted, so we're going like, five. I tweeted like upset alert off. Yeah, like calm down, people. Federer's got this, and it's Sakovsky. What did you make of Stokowski in press? Because I thought he was... Smug. Very, very smug. Very smug for a guy ranked outside the top 100, I must say. Um, yeah, I mean, he his English is great. It's really good. 
He's very, but he had this very interesting way about going about his press, which was that a journalist would ask a question and he would kind of challenge every single question yeah. and like ask a question back. Mm-hmm. And part of that might be his personality. Part of it might be not being actually in press conferences ever. No. To really know what the rhythm is. It's like, I ask you a question, you answer it. It's not, I think he, I this isn't a conversation. I think he just thought he was being really clever. Yeah, I think, but that was the thing that it came off of, it came off as, which is that he thought that he was being clever and smart and funny and suave. And I think somebody tweeted, like, you know, like, Stokowski charms the press. And I just remember reading the tweet and being like, uh, no, like, not this one. This was not particularly charming. <laughs> no, behavior. it wasn't charming. It was, it was just... It grading. Was, grading. It was, things. yeah, I'm trying to find the right word for it. It was just, yeah, grading, annoying. just was annoying. Annoying. And, and honestly, like, I can say this because I'm good at compartmentalizing. It has nothing... What I'm saying has nothing to do with, like, how he feels about equal prize money or sure, like those no. sorts of things. Like, if you were to be in there and just see this guy just kind of sit there, sit back. Sit and just, back, lounge around, be like, oh, you know, I'm looking for this book. Let me find this this Wimbledon book where Roger's on the cover. Let me look. Is it over here? No, is it over here? Oh, wait. He's not on there. But I did beat him today. <laughs> there was just, yeah, something yeah, it about a, it, it was, was not. Not that you need to have somebody with a sense of mourning or whatever, Federer lost. Not at all. But there was, it was not gracious well because we'll, well yeah because you can either do the whole what's like steve darcy was, was just the guy was just like on cloud nine yeah like he was just like holy shit like i just beat like rafael nadal like you know and had a big big smile on his face and you know and answered questions very honestly and blah 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 and, and stuff like that and then like with stakovsky he kind of was acting like no big deal yeah. And he admitted it. He was just like, I don't feel anything. Which I I heard that and I was like, I get that. Like there can be kind of like it's gonna maybe it'll take a while yeah, to shell shock, sure. But at the same time there was a part of just the way his body language was and the way that he was speaking that was just also kinda like, Yeah, I meet Roger Federer, no big deal. Yeah. When it is a big deal, it's a big when deal. you are the guy who is best known, really best known for taking out your cell phone during a match and taking a photo of a line. Mm-hmm. I asked him something like that. It's like, did you feel like, you know, this was weird that, you know, you're the guy who does the cell phone thing and now you're beating Federer? I don't even know how I phrased it because I was just so confused by him be- being this person. Because when you think of who's going to be the guy who beats Federer ends the streak, there have been some really plausible candidates along the way. Somebody like Benetton. Benetton and Simone have both come close. Tipsarovich came close a while ago in, in Australia. Golbus could do it. Golbus could have done it. I mean, there's so many dangerous players. Rosal was this the potential third the round in the draw come out. Janovitz, yeah, all these guys who are really seen as these sort of dangerous floaters, really sort of, you know, guys who can come in there and upset the apple cart, and even guys who are seated, you know, on the lower part of the seeds, but not Sikovsky. Sikovsky has not done anything to establish himself in that group, so. A little over a week ago, Sergei Sikovsky was losing to James Blake on grass in the third round of qualifying of Eastbourne. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, now granted, it's James Blake, like whatever, but come on. In Sir Togenbosch... Steve Darcy lost to a guy right outside the top 400 yes. in qualities. I mean, like, this Stephane is just... Boli. This has been a very golfish tournament results-wise. Like, there's been no no rhyme or reason for anything. It's just, you know, some people are going to do bad, some people are going to do good. We'll see who's left on the leaderboard as we wrap up and talk about them when they get there. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the men's draw to see who's left in here, see what we make of it on the bottom half. Once again, the top half is mostly held up. Should be all Novak as it was before, because that Ferrer quarter is not getting any more loaded. Although, Kohlschreiber, who was my pick to make the semi, did manage to retire before retiring became a thing today. Yeah, he retired because he he had the flu and he was tired. He was tired. He literally walked off the court. Yeah, he was exhausted. He was sick. (laughs) 
Okay, I do I do think, by the way, everyone's been saying he said, I'm tired. I think he said, I retired. And I heard it. Anyway, it was not a great way to go out, especially for someone who had picked to make the final four. Let's talk about this draw. The first section, one of these four guys will make the quarterfinals. Lukas Kubo, Benoit Paire, Adrian Manorino, and Dustin Brown. Who do you pick out of that group to make the quarters? Pair. I'll pick Brown. I like Dustin Brown. I love I love Dustin Brown, but you're asking me to pick who I think is good at tennis. I will say Ben Pair. Okay, fair question. Fair answer. Next section, one of these guys will make the quarters on grass. Almagro, Janovitz, Jurgen Meltzer. I had no idea Jurgen Meltzer was still in this tournament. And Sergei Stakovsky. Who you got? A Janowitz. I have Janowitz as well. We agree. I also think Stakovsky's going to lose to Meltzer. Next section. Again, this. what are these sections? Golbis, Verdasco, Monaco, De Shepper. <laughs> De Shepper. <laughs> I'm actually going to go without knowing the head-to-head. So that's my caveat. Uh-huh. But I'm going to go Verdasco. I'm going to go Golbis. I think okay. Verdasco... It's one of those two, whoever wins that match. Yeah, I would be very surprised to see if you Monaco. De Shepard's a big server, but he has not played anybody of note. he got to walk over and beat Pablo Lorenzi in the first round. So he's had a nice little tournament for himself, old Kenny. Yeah, I'll pick Golbis as well to make the quarters. I'm upset that Golbis is not in the other quarter of the draw because he would have been a great semifinalist. And then lastly, <laughs> who's going to make it out of this group? Troisky, Eugenie, Robredo, and oh yeah, Andy Murray. How about a... How about an actual contender left in this draw? It's amazing. And everyone's like, oh, Murray gets a top draw. He is both Nadal and Federer in his section. Yeah. This is some home cooking for Murray. Well, let's not forget, I mean, how he won the U.S. Open. Yeah. Rafa wasn't there, and Burdick upset Fed. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I, you know, I was joking with a friend of mine um, before the tournament that I really thought that, like, for Andy to win his first tournament, he would need some help, yeah. which he got. Yep. And I really thought that within to win Wimbledon, though, he had to go, like, boss levels. Like, you know, he had to beat, like, boss number five, and then he had to beat boss number six, and he had to beat boss number seven to win. Uh, but, hey, like, he was drawn. They were drawn in his section. Not his fault that they didn't hold up the bargain. No. It's a Novak-Murray final. I mean, I will be absolutely shocked if, if that doesn't happen. I don't see anybody that can stop them. No, I really don't. I'd be very, Just very... matchup-wise, this isn't even about, like, I mean, quality of players. Even if they play the best... Even if so many of these players play the best that they can, maybe a Golbis, but like if they play their best, they're still not better than than what a Murray or Djokovic. He's going to get either Pear or Janovitz in the semi. Yeah, that's his draw. What? What? Yeah, that is crazy. Britain will love it. Rule Britannia. Keep calm and carry on. Yeah, pretty much. One Direction. Not a shitty band. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for saying that. That means a lot. I've had a beer, so I'm, I, I don't know what I'm saying. Nah, I don't really think you it's know been, what I'm It's saying. been a brutal day. It's been a long day, you guys. I've been fried. I think we should probably put an end on it there. The minute that Courtney actually says One Direction is not a shit band, you know that it's done. I'm going to send you home. Yeah. As we said, people said at Wimbledon, you're drunk. Go home, Wimbledon. So that was that's it for this week's show. We'll probably try to catch up with you during Middle Sunday or something. Maybe not. Nothing else has happened. This was a lot. This is a tournament's worth of news already in three days. So we might let this one breathe for a bit. Uh, thanks for joining us, folks. Send us your own picks for these draws because we don't know what we're talking about. Seriously, this, I would this love to see this on Facebook. About. Like on Facebook, like go to the post and and post for us like what who you think will come out of the bottom half of the women's and the men's draws because. That shit, and right? along the way, like your quarterfinalists, yeah. because honestly, who are these people? 
who are these people? When we say that sarcastically, we know who these people are. No, we do. But <laughs> we, re- uh, we also realize there will be matchups in this third round. Third round of a Grand Slam. Big stage. Things like Adrian Manorino versus Dustin Brown. That is a third round match at a Grand Slam. <laughs> that is a quality match at any other tournament. That's yeah. a quality match at a Grand Slam. I think Manorino actually was one of the guys who got in when Wimbledon gave back some wild cards. Yeah, this is, this is a mess, this tournament. But that's what we're here for. And it should work out a way so the finals are pretty good. And, yeah, it should be a good time. We'll see you later, folks. Bye. So mixed up. So mixed up. It's all mixed up.